The nation's attention on presidential primaries turns to Michigan next week. And it may be that the group watching most closely for the results is the Democratic Party. I think because Michigan's voice is so important that we are earlier in the process, this is our chance The mere to fact vote. that the first time the Biden administration thought to send a delegation to the city of Dearborn to have a conversation, but only sent campaign staff, for us was dehumanizing. He's going to have to demonstrate. We're going to have to talk about how he does have the energy, how he does have, quite frankly, the seasoning for leadership. general lack of enthusiasm for an incumbent president isn't that unusual. What is unique this election cycle is the number of progressive Democrats, anti-war Democrats, and Arab American and Muslim voters who are actively campaigning against the vote for Joe Biden in the presidential primary here. Yesterday on the podcast, we heard from two organizers from the Listen to Michigan campaign among Arab American and other voters. Today, some analysis on what's going on from Detroit Free Press editorial page editor Nancy Kaffer. I think that the thing about the uncommitted strategy is it, it is it is a vote. It's showing this is a person who's going to come out and vote. But I think there's some risks to this. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Nancy's been thinking and writing about what might be at stake within this block of voters and for the presidential election as we appear poised for a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. No one is excited for this rematch. There's been nobody likes this sort of 2020 deja vu feeling we're having. And then some other stuff has changed in the mix that I think makes it even less exciting. The apathy is really uh, perhaps secondary to a sense of anger among Arab American and Muslim American voters who are otherwise Democratic and who have come out for Joe Biden in the past. What is the benefit of voting uncommitted rather than simply not voting in the primary? I confess this was something I was not aware was even a thing until this year. Yeah, no, same. And I voted in every presidential primary since 1996, and I've covered politics for 24 years. But when I started doing some research on this, I learned that my ignorance notwithstanding, about 20,000 people on each ticket vote uncommitted in, in every primary and presidential primary in Michigan that I looked at back to 2000. Well, there's been a couple of weird years. Like there's in 2008, Obama wasn't on the ticket because of some complicated inter-party primary things. And about 300,000 people voted uncommitted, which in that year seemed like an Obama vote because he wasn't on the primary ticket. But generally about 20,000 Republicans, about 20,000 Democrats, so about 40,000 people total choose uncommitted. But what you're saying when you choose uncommitted is in the presidential primary, you're really looking at like delegate apportionment. So you're saying you, you would like delegates who have not committed to either candidate. Yeah. You wrote a column about this recently in which you expressed that you think this is sort of a double-edged sword. If Arab American and Muslim American voters don't organize, then it's certainly true that their serious concerns about what's happening in Gaza may not be heard. But if they do organize and don't show up with enough strength, the inroads they have might be diminished. Can you Can you say a bit more about that? So um, a couple of things. When we're talking about apathy for this election, I think there's actually antipathy, uh, not just apathy, but antipathy in groups beyond the Arab American voters. A lot of people are angry at Joe Biden for being old and for saying things that, um, you know, the man, when he opens his mouth, it's a real roll of the dice. And it's been that way for like 40 years. 
It's How totally bad is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad I let you speak. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. But this seems to be a thing people are now locating to his age. Um, people are angry about inflation. They're angry about the economy, even though it's doing really well. So there's there's anger among other voters. Um, and then you have the Israel-Hamath war and what's happening in Gaza, which is really amped up anger among very specific groups of voters. And as much as someone who is not part of that group can understand, I understand and empathize. It's horrible what's happening. Um, there's so much anger and unhappiness over how the Biden administration has has handled this, how Biden, the things Biden personally has said. I also deeply empathize with not wanting to cast that vote for Biden. A group is calling on Democrats to vote uncommitted instead of for President Biden. It's all in protest over the White House's handling of the war in Gaza. Let's get out to Will Jones. Free, free, free Palestine! I think the biggest risk is typically when a voting bloc wants to exercise its power, it says if you do this thing, then will support you. But I'm not sure I'm hearing that from people in the community that I've talked to. I mean, there are, you know, almost 30,000 people have been killed in Gaza. And this is for many people. um, I mean, I hate to use such a flippant word, but a deal breaker, like there's not coming back from this, that that is a, if you view him as complicit in what has happened so far, how do you get past that to cast the ballot in November? Uh And that's my, that's my basic question about this. No one I talked to who's involved in this could say Arab American voters will turn out for Biden in November if if he changes policy in Gaza. And, they, and again, I empathize with this moment and this, this feeling, but there's a big gulf here. We need to take a quick break. More with Nancy Kaffer of the Detroit Free Press when we return. Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the stateside podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. Nancy, what is your experience observing candidates or movements that have expressed dissent within their party for maybe an incumbent during the primary process in this way. It's happened several times in, in you know, a lot of people's lifetimes who might be listening to this. I'm thinking of Bernie Sanders being in, involved in the primary in 2016, Ralph Nader when Al Gore was uh, seeking the, the presidency in, in the year 2000. What is your, what is your observation of how this works? <laughs> well, April, those years didn't work out well for those candidates, did they? There's a, there's a nexus of things where people are disenchanted with a candidate and 
there's a disconnect. But I think in 2016, a lot of us thought, you know, there was a very bitter primary. Bernie Sanders was really coming at Hillary, coming at the Democratic National Committee. And I think that a lot of voters got really turned off. Um, I think many of them wound up voting for Clinton. Um, she did win the national popular vote, but lost the presidency again in, in 2000. Al Gore was not a candidate that a lot of people were super thrilled about. And there was, again, the Ralph Nader um, third party protest vote. And, you know, again, Al Gore lost. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say what came first, the chicken or the egg. It's, it's If people are discontent with a candidate, then they're not going to want to vote for that candidate. Some of them will do it anyway. Some of them won't. And, and we live, we're a nation that elects presidents in the margin as we've got this base of Republicans, base of Democrats. And then there's a group in the middle that can be swayed that's pretty small. So, and it's a pretty small group in a pretty small number of states. And so if you're losing voters, you're, you're really in trouble. Is it fair to lay the possibility of a second Trump presidency at the feet of Arab American voters who who may see his ascendancy as something that you know really wasn't really wasn't of their making? No, uh, it's not fair to lay the outcome of an election at any one group of people or any one thing. There's like zero through infinity reasons why elections turn out the way they do. There's a lot of different factors that any one of which, if they go differently, can can alter the outcome of the election. In 2016, you know, James Comey came out with a report shortly before the election that really criticized Hillary Clinton's email handling. Um, she did not campaign in Michigan and um, other Midwestern states for a long time. Um, right before the election, President Obama was going to come campaign for Hillary Clinton and couldn't come to Detroit because there was the funeral of a, of a law enforcement officer who had been killed in the line of duty. And so I think he came to Ann Arbor instead, I believe, which, you know, so there's, there's all these different... I mean, that's just three things right off the top of my head there that are, you know, if Hillary campaigned in Michigan, if, I don't know, Obama had turned out the vote in Detroit, if any one of these things had happened, the election might have gone differently. And I could, you and I could sit here and come up with like seven gajillion reasons that um, might have might have altered the impact of that. So no, elections are extremely complex organisms. And um, no one thing is why an election did or didn't turn out that way. As you were researching this, was there anything you learned about absentee ballot requests among Arab American and Muslim American voters that that informed the way you were thinking about this? Yeah. So Mark Grebner, the practical political consulting, the the voter data guru in Michigan, he told me that absentee ballot requests among Arab American voters are down by a lot. And that among the requests that have been made, requests for Republican absentee ballots, because remember, this is the presidential primary, we have to request a Democratic or Republican ballot, the Republican ballot requests are up. So I mean, there's another risk is that if you're trying to define your block as something that is powerful and will exert influence, there's, you know, there's also a risk that if you don't do that, then you take yourself out of the equation. But I'm not going to predict um, there, there's a broader movement here. There's an anti-war movement. I have no idea um, how to quantify that. But you know, just in general, there's about twenty thousand people that you would expect to choose uncommitted. So we got to look at like what happens over that in this election to kind of get that idea of what you know how many people are responding to this particular call to action. It seems to me that what we're talking about here is folks looking at uh, you know a, a single issue that really really feels so powerful that it, you know, it does overcome all the other all the other concerns and all the other horrors of life. And 
I mean, can we not see what's wrong with being a single issue voter if you see that single issue as being the moral issue of our time? No, I mean, I would I would never presume to tell anyone that they shouldn't do this. Um, I just want them to look at the full the full consequences and, and own that. You have to vote your conscience. And if your conscience is I can't cast a ballot for this person, then, dude, that's your conscience and do the thing that feels voting is too important to do something that feels uh, antithetical to your morality. I mean, for a lot of people in 2022, um, you know, abortion was the was the prevailing issue. Female autonomy and women's rights to decide the fate of our own body. That was the big issue. A lot of people voted solely on that. Like, I, again, I'm not going to tell people um, that what they is in their heart and their conscience is wrong. Just, you know, there are, there are, as we like to say, elections have consequences. And there are a lot of things that can happen when a coalition falls apart, which is what's happening. Nancy Kaffer is the editorial page editor of the Detroit Free Press. Nancy, thanks for talking it through with us. Thanks, April. That's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. If you're ever ready for more stories, did you know that you can listen to full episodes of Stateside at the Michigan Public website? Find us at michiganpublic.org. Today's podcast was produced by our show's executive producer, Laura Weber Davis. Other producers on the show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabensag, April Van Buren, and our show's director, Mercedes Mejia. Our podcast editor is Rachel Ishikawa. Music for the podcast comes from Audio Network and from Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.